On this week's Movie High Low, we're talking lie-induced vomiting, CSI KFC, and a donut hole in a donut's hole. We suspect foul play. This is Ryan Johnson's Knives Out. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Movie High Low, a podcast discussing the best and worst that cinema has to offer. I'm Dom. This is Dee. And this week we are doing a really rad movie um, that's that was actually a shitload of fun, like a very big surprise. I remember seeing the trailer for this and thinking, oh, this looks kind of cool, but not like... Ooh, I know, Sorry. slightest touch. Um, I remember seeing the trailer for this when it first came out and thinking, this, this looks kind of cool, but not being in any big rush to see it and mm-hmm. um, now I'm kind of regretting the fact that we didn't see this in a movie theater. This week's movie is Knives Out directed by Ryan Johnson released on November 27th, 2019. It is a high episode. Says who? Well, the consensus at, at imdb.com is rated at a collective 8.0. It's got a 97% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It was nominated for one Oscar and three Golden Globes um, and is just one of the highest rated movies that came out last year. Yeah, and rightfully so. It was a good movie. It was fun and entertaining. Definitely. I had way more highs than lows for myself for it. Yeah, I mean, I just I just think that, like, Ryan Johnston is... Ryan Johnston's... Uh, he's This guy's the real deal. Like, this guy's, a, a, like, a legitimate... What else did he direct? He directed... Um, his first sounds familiar. His first movie was Brick, which was um, that, yeah. like, kind of, like, noir-esque movie that was, like, With set Joseph in high school. With Joseph I yeah. know you're talking about that. Yeah, and it's, like, it's, like, you know, it's, like, a high school movie, but they're all talking in that, like, kind of 50s parlance, like, that that hard-boiled noir, mm. you know, kind of thing in, the, in a high school setting, which is really funny. He directed sort of the very divisive Last Jedi, which is the second installment of the most recent Star Wars trilogy, okay. which is actually my personal favorite, but that tends to divide people as far More as... More than The Empire Strikes Back? Oh, no. Well, it's, The Empire Strikes Back is my favorite Star Wars movie, but of this new trilogy, The okay. Last Jedi was my favorite I know you've one. been a fan of all of them. Um, and he directed what I would say is argue... I'm probably not even arguably, like, inarguably the greatest hour of network television maybe to come out in the past 20 years in the form of the Ozymandias episode of Breaking Bad. You directed that? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And he also directed uh, another episode of Breaking Bad. He directed The Fly episode. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a fun episode. So this guy, I mean, this that's is a real struggle. This is a, this dude's like the real deal, as far as I'm concerned. Like, okay. I, I I think he's a legitimate filmmaker. He's only about like ten years older than than I am, um, or that we are. It's like he's he's kind of of our generation. He's in his um, mid forties. Yeah, and he's just uh, I I've, I've liked pretty much everything that he's done, and this is a movie that I can you know it. it I really enjoyed it watching it the first time and I can totally see this growing on me and being something that's even like better and more fun to watch Mm. on a rewatch just Mm -hmm. because of how like layered and sophisticated it is. Um, But for anyone who hasn't seen the film, let me just do like a quick synopsis here. Should I do it or... Because you, I mean, you've done the intro and all that other stuff. Should I be reading something? Or is it because you wrote it? You want me to write it and then I, okay. I'd love you to write one of these. I know, but I feel like I'm not going to write it as well as you. It just comes more natural to you because it's like movies is your second language. So it's like you know how to word it in a way that sounds like the back of a DVD that I don't. Oh, that's nice. Like, I mean, I might a little bit, but I mean. kind of a compliment. I can word it like the back of a DVD. I'm I am as articulate as the back of a DVD Well, it sells the movie. I like it. It summarizes it, but it makes it intriguing like oh what's that about i get well let, let's see let's see if i did this one justice um on the day after his 85th birthday party distinguished mystery novelist harlan thromby is found dead in his home what is initially presumed to be a, the, a theatrical suicide i'm already fucking this up 
Um, let me start again. On the day after his 85th birthday party, distinguished mystery novelist Harlan Thrombey is found dead in his home. What is initially presumed to be a theatrical suicide, given Harlan's slit throat, has now come under the suspicion of foul play. With the arrival of eccentric private investigator Benoit Blanc, the entirety of the Thrombey family becomes persons of interest, and Blanc's thorough examination will leave no stone unturned, no motive uncovered, and no web untangled. Great success. Is this um, an original screenplay or an adapted It's an original screenplay. Because I remember saying to you something about watching this movie and the acting, the performances, the all of it, the dialogue, obviously the fact that it's mostly in one location for the most part. I mean, with, there's some exteriors and some other locations in the movie, but for the most part, it just feels like it was a play. It could, or if it wasn't, it should be. It absolutely, it, it, it totally... It plays like a play. Yeah, it totally feels like a play. Because of that exact reason, is that the whole thing is kind of set in his mansion, like right. in the And aftermath. there are other scenes in other places, but... Yeah. It's 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 not it's more than just the location that makes me feel like it feels like a play. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, the performances, the way the dialogue is the written, ensemble, the ensemble, the, the 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 um yeah the kind of the economy of 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 production and locations, things like that. Um, that there's all these kind of great even even like guess the, who's coming to dinner? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but even like even like the smaller Death of a roles. Salesman. I don't know. Well, it's got it's it's definitely got that kind of vibe to yeah. it. So I could totally see like watching it how it kind of almost feels like it could have been adapted from a play. But I, you know. But the other thing I was gonna say too, because I was asking about that, was the Benoit Blanc. I actually have a, a relative, a distant cousin in Canada who's named Benoit. It's a French name. Benoit. So, yeah, yeah, Benoit. Um, one of my my mom's cousin's kids or whatever. Up there. Is it like a very French? It is. It's, yeah. Benoit, Pascal, Gerald. Yeah. I'm just going to say it at the top. Like, I just had such a fucking blast with this movie. This is like one of those movies that, again, like I was saying at the beginning, like, I, I totally could see this being like a mainstay, something that like you pop in every, you know, maybe once a year or something. It's just something that like kind of the more you see it, the more you appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, you well, it's know, like a live action clue too. That's the other thing. And that's like, well, now so that was one of the things I wrote down. Just like as I'm like sure kind of we're a, not the first ones to have that thought. Oh, of course. Well, even the trailers looked that well, way. It's I'm definitely like, what is clue. <laughs> it's def. It's definitely definitely like I don't want to say derivative, but definitely uh, kind it of is. cut from the same cloth of of clue. And then didn't we just see a preview for that too for clue? I think we watched it. Or is it an old one? We watched it on Prime. We purposely looked at the preview for clue. But one of the things that I thought was funny, and this is just like kind of a stray note was a lot of the the family stuff the the sort of the um the family kind of the little bit of feeling like that the family's at war with each other a little uh-huh. bit was very reminiscent to me of that film greedy yes i said that too i thought it was greed greedy greedy yeah, right Kirk but I, I did point that out too because remember the yeah. way they're all at each other's throats and stuff yeah. and how it's like they have to pretend like even at the beginning of the real will reading when it's like we're all holding hands and making these faces like oh, our dear father oh, you know yeah. and then once they actually hear that everything was left to marta what like how oh, it just changes on a dime? Like yeah. now all of a sudden they're they're yeah. venomous. But what what I thought was funny is that obviously like this it, the it reminded me of Greedy, which I didn't realize was directed by Jonathan Lynn, who also directed Clue. Oh, there you go. So it, you know, and then of course this immediately the first thing I saw I thought of when I saw the trailer for this was this looked a lot like Clue. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like you can kind of tell where it's some funny. of the direct influences. Um, I've never been like a big Agatha Agatha Christie. Mm-hmm. fan but my understanding is that you know a lot of this takes a lot of um liberties and similarities of like Agatha Christie novels regardless you know the who done it the the murder um, mystery the murder mystery it's it's very much like a very 
distinguished, uh, familiar genre. Mm. And you get that. There's you know, people that pay to have a night out. Like there's yeah. places that will. I, and I think that sounds fun. Well, look, we should we should jump into some of the highs and lows here. I mean, I I, I think the, the easiest thing to identify without even seeing the movie, like just seeing the poster. I think the the first thing that you can identify as a high is this ensemble cast. Like you've mm-hmm. got this insane Chris Evans, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, Tony Collette, Christopher Plummer. Like there's not a weak link in this cast. You've got A-listers, top of their game, just uh, amazing um, character actors. I mean, Michael Shannon, you put that guy in anything mm-hmm. and he's... Want he's, some cookies? Yeah. How about some more cookies, you? You want some more cookies? It's just any random <laughs> thing that that guy says is fucking hilarious, but... Bug. <laughs> among them... Bug. Oh, dude. I, I, and I love revolutionary... His, and his, then let me see the guy she did. I'm the super mother <laughs> bug. That movie's fucking <laughs> crazy. Um... But I, oh I would God. say, and the biggest surprise, I mean, there's there's two people who own this movie as far as I'm concerned. And one of them was an enormous surprise to me. One of them I wasn't really aware of and one was a surprise. I think the, this is like Daniel Craig's movie. I had no idea that this guy was capable. Channeling Robert Duvall, yeah. I just had no idea he was capable of a performance like this. He sounds like, like Robert Duvall, like he's trying to be Robert Duvall. The, yeah, James Bond doing his southern drawl. Now, I actually, it's funny you say Robert Duvall. He sounds exactly like Robert Duvall. I think he sounds like somebody, but I think he sounds like somebody different. He yeah. sounds like to me in the episode of The Office Murder when Michael Scott is mm-hmm. doing, there's been a murder here. Sir, there has been a murder and you are a suspect. You know, my my um, exposure to Daniel Craig has really just kind of been the James Bond movie. So like mm-hmm. I had no idea he had this kind of like eccentric weirdo character actor side to him I just didn't I just didn't know he could do a performance like this and he's fucking hilarious in this movie like he's he's probably the biggest draw of the movie and I would say right up with him is uh Anna Diarmas who is uh who plays Marta in the mm-hmm. movie and she's and she's just like she just gives a very great layered performance her character is so easy to love because she's clearly she's so innocent she's and she's and she's like the only decent human right, being right really in this well, entire that's group point, of kind of like the movie greedy yeah, yeah is that she's the one person that you know um that you're really kind of rooting for the entire movie because mm-hmm. she's so good-natured and actually her good nature is the thing that pays off in the end mm-hmm. as far as you know uh, how the movie resolves itself should probably say right here at the top too for anybody who hasn't seen the movie i don't think there's any way we can really talk about this movie in depth without getting into spoiler territory so like if you haven't seen the film I don't know why anybody would listen to a podcast about a movie without having seen it yeah, and expect not to have a spoiler. Probably not. But I don't feel like we should go into it with that attitude. But for anybody... We should go into it assume people have seen it. Sure, but first of all... Then why would we even talk all, about a movie? Because we'd be afraid of ruining everything. Sure, but I'm just saying, I'm putting that out there. For for the maybe one or two people that will ever listen to this to begin with, if, if you are one of the one or two people listening to this and you haven't seen this movie and you're expecting us not to spoil it, like just telling you now that that's going to unfortunately not be the case. Um... So, so yeah, so I, those two performances, I think are like some of the biggest highlights of, of the movie for me. I like me. what a ditz Tony Collette plays. Ah, <laughs> you're like famous. Yeah. I read a tweet about a New Yorker article about you. You solved that case with the tennis champ. <laughs> you're famous. I love, there's like, just like little, there's like little nuances to all the different characters. One thing I thought that was so cool with the Daniel Craig character is uh, Benoit Blanc. Is when they're when they're first like that whole first opening act, which is just kind of like the interrogations, where you're kind of seeing this montage of all of the main characters being interrogated as to, 
you know, like it's it's after now they've buried him. They're they're just coming from his funeral. The detectives are there to just kind of do like a final formality. Like let's just go through this one last time. It's two characters. It's uh, what's his name? Um, Lakeith Stanfield, the guy from from Get Out, mm-hmm. and then it's the the guy. This is actually Trooper Wagner. I, I'm going to talk about him more later because he was one of my highs. Um, but it's these two guys who are doing the interrogations, and then you see Daniel Craig just kind of chilling out in the background. And it's so funny because there's this one thing that he keeps doing where as they're doing the interrogations, every so often he'll just play this one note on a piano. Yeah. And it's like a trigger for uh, Lakeith Stanfield's character to be like, so um, what time did you arrive? Like it's, it's mm-hmm. like the thing that he's like, he's in the, like in the middle of his line of questioning. He's hitting this key to let him know like, this is when I want you to ask them when they got there because mm. he's trying to establish a timeline. Mm-hmm. So it's like little subtle things like that. Right. And then the characters after a while, like finally acknowledge him. Like, who the fuck is this guy in the background? Right. Here? Like, I'm what's sorry. He? Who is this guy? And then he's like, oh, hello, I'm Benoit Blanc. And he's mm. doing his whole fucking accent, which yeah. is like the minute he starts talking, you're like, holy shit, this is Daniel. Cr-. Like, I'm thinking he's going to play like this um, suave all right, you would assume you know, kind of James Bondy, Bondy character, and he and he's totally not doing that. I mean, he's kind of a debonair, you know, children guy, but he's hamming it up a lot. He's right. he's doing a lot of nodding and winking, which is kind of fun. My presence will be ornamental. You will find me a respectful, quiet, passive observer of the truth. Nurse vomits after a fair question, and mm. then she's asked about the tuition being cut off for the granddaughter. And then he goes, "Wait, don't answer that." Like it's funny. Once you realize that she vomits when she lies, yeah, that that's actually a thing, and it's not right. a made up thing, right? We should. We and then should, he goes, "Don't answer that." <laughs> we should talk funny. about that a little bit because I think I think I think Marta's character, like that's like a big part of that character, is the fact that she. It becomes this. It becomes this kind of like visual lie detector throughout the entire movie. Is that the, her character is not able to tell a lie or even think about a lie without vomiting like that's that's the like she's got this no poker face she's like a, that's this crazy tell mm-hmm. where anytime she even thinks about a lie she ends up puking so mm-hmm. it beca- the thing that's ironic about that is that her character what we learn about her character very very early in the movie actually um is that she has to you know uphold this lie throughout the entire movie so it becomes this battle of like when her when is she going to be put in a position? Well, it's also where, part of what adds to like the innocence of her character, right, or that yeah. she's a good person. That and she all can't that. even she can't even lie right. without having to like get so upset that she pukes. The screenplay. This is this is something I think that's kind of really cool about this movie is that you know it's definitely trying to work within the genre of the um, murder mystery, the whodunit type of thing, but it's also kind of trying to subvert it and change it a little bit, right? So. What I what I was expecting, at least I don't know what you what you felt like when you were watching it for the first time. But like what I was expecting is that this movie is going to set up. It does it does exactly what you expect it to do in the very beginning, which is that it gives every single character a motive to want to kill Harlan, right? So mm-hmm. you meet his whole family, as any good murder mystery does. Jimmy Lee Curtis pay, plays his oldest daughter, and she's married to Don Johnson, and we find out that Don Johnson is having an affair, which. Harlan has found out about and mm-hmm. he's telling Don Johnson I'm going to exp- I'm going to tell you need to tell my daughter or I'm going to tell her you know so immediately gives Don Johnson a motive to want to kill him mm-hmm. then you find out that his youngest son who's played by Michael Shannon is essentially the guy who is um, running his he's, he's a publishing. famous yeah he's a famous novelist so this is the guy that's running his, his publishing company and what you find out is that he's constantly hounding him about like we need to 
sell the rights and we need to be able to adapt it to like a Netflix TV show. We need to be able to like sell it to the movies and Harlan will not give up any of the rights to any of his books. It's just like, no, we don't, they're my books, we're not selling the rights. So he's going to eventually cut him out of the the business. He's telling yeah. him like, listen, I should have allowed you to build your own empire. I've made you work for me for so long. Like I'm, I'm taking you off of the, the publishing right. business. So immediately, boom, he's got his motive. Mm-hmm. Tony Collette at one point, we find out that she is actually the daughter-in-law. Her, she was married to one of the sons who passed away. And he has been financially supporting her for the past 15 years and not only supporting her, but putting the granddaughter, the granddaughter through college. And what he learns is that she's been double dipping where mm-hmm. he's been paying the college directly, but he's also been sending a payment to her and she hasn't been distinguishing between I'll pay it versus you send it to the college. She's been basically for the past however many years taking two payments on her own. So he's like, hey, I found out about this this error and I'm I'm not going to pay for anything else anymore because mm-hmm. you've been taking advantage of me. So it's this whole thing where it sets up for every single main character a motive to want to kill him. So at the very beginning of the movie, you're like, oh shit, we now know Everyone has a reason to want to kill him. And my anticipation was going to be that now the rest of the movie is going to be us trying to figure out who it was and why. But what the movie does in a kind of a slick, interesting way is that as soon as it establishes the motives for all the people that may want to kill him, it shows what happened. It gives you a very clear... It's like... Okay, now that you think all these people may have wanted to kill him, what really happened I remember happened saying early was, on, though, too. I remember saying early on, even before, like, even before all the motives were given, like, I was like, it, I bet it's I bet it's the nurse. And you know what it was that made me think that? Because she's the one you least expect, right? Exactly. She's the, she's just so sweet, and she seems like there's nothing, you know, untoward about her character or ulterior motives or, like, because in the beginning, I'm not going to lie, I'm, like, waiting for it to be like, oh, is she fucking him or something? Or, you know... She's trying to get his money intentionally yeah. or that's that's what you're like that's what we're hardwired or conditioned from watching all these kinds of movies well, to that's, think like that's and it wasn't awesome. what was the case. Right. And it that's was, what's as, it was almost more like she was like a granddaughter to him right. in some way and she was and just that's, good. And that's why Ryan Johnson was so was so smart about the way he did this was that he knew exactly what you'd be expecting yeah. and was like, All right, so now that I've done this first act and I've given everybody what they expect, before, you know, we spend the next hour and a half trying to make it be well who did what it's going to be like let me just lay it out for it's him it's more and like a whodunit exactly for the happened. cast it's like the audience knows but it's like right the cast doesn't know right that's, that's exactly you know? what it is it's like then you get to watch them all trying to the figure the audience out. has the information that the characters don't have where yeah. usually it's the characters have information that the audience doesn't have although of course there's a there's a big rug pull that happens later but what we find out in you know again like probably like within like the first half hour of the movie is that marta is giving him his medication. She's supposed to be giving him like 100 milligrams of some medicine. And then she gives him like a very small, like three milligrams of morphine to help him sleep. And while she's giving him his medication, she realizes that she's fucked up. She's she's made a mistake. She's mistaken the two bottles. So she's actually, she believes that she's given him 100 milligrams of morphine and he's going to die. And she tells him, she's like, oh my God, I made this mistake. I need to get this like shot out of my bag to stop your heart from mm-hmm. stopping, you're going to die in the next 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And of course, she doesn't have the shot. And Harlan says to her, this is what needs to happen now. And he gives her an entire play-by-play of what she needs to do to be able to escape the situation so that the local police will not be able to even suspect her as a possible mm-hmm. suspect in this case. So that becomes like kind of the big second act move is seeing Marta get away with what was really an accident 
mm-hmm. accidental murder that he's kind of in a weird way um not coercing but like no but he almost had an idea this was going to happen because he knows his grandson he knew how things were going to unfold a little right. bit he almost like saw this coming yeah and like you were saying like a master chess player who can see yeah 15 moves down yeah. the board which is really really cool uh christopher Plummer. so like the, he's he's got such a small part because they have to kind of get rid of him very early on that happens with a lot of great but, actors oh, later man, in the career he's so great all of like his we just watched something else where it was like there was a big actor and and they died pretty early in it but it was like that happens in a lot of movies yeah once actors get to certain parts of their career it's like they don't have to be in the movie the whole time. They can be, but it's like they can also have a really cool cameo stick just in, in the first 15 minutes. Stick them in for like three days, four days of shooting, movie, and he's just going to kill it. Like, they don't you know, need he's to be, yeah, it. they don't need to be in every single scene. Um, I mean, but then again, it's also an ensemble movie, so the idea is that nobody, I mean, other than like the main characters, everybody kind of plays a small player, but everybody, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, like they're all so memorable in the moments that mm. they're present, and that's kind of what makes it, it fills mm. out this great, it's just part of what makes an ensemble so much fun to watch. Um, but anyway, so ultimately what, like what, it's a great point you making is that now the audience has the information that the characters don't have. So now you as an audience member become an accomplice to Marta. So now the rest of this, the, the rest of that second act of the movie, it's kind of like you're sitting there worried about her getting caught as mm-hmm. opposed to trying to figure out who did what you're just like, okay, Marta did it. And it was an accident and we don't want her to get caught. So the whole movie becomes like, oh, no, she didn't take the right hand turn before she was supposed to. It's on the tape. Right. How is she going to get away with it? And then you see her, you see her do the magnet and like rub the magnet across the tape so that Mm -hmm. the tape isn't there. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, the whole thing with like the talks report where it's like, okay, oh, no, like someone's got the talks report. How is she going to get rid of it? And like, Mm -hmm. oh, thank God the fucking building burned down. But who did that? So it becomes this whole thing of you as the audience become like an accomplice to murder with mm-hmm. this character who you're on her side kind of the whole movie, which is really an interesting way to structure the movie so that we're in it with the murderer as opposed to waiting until the third act to find out who the murderer is. Right, because it's an accidental murder and her character is supposed to be a good person. So you don't, you're automatically with her. Right. You're not against her. You're not oh, fucking murderer. It's like you see. It's like this wasn't supposed to happen. And then, of course, it was not intentional. It was involuntary. Yeah. And then, of course, the big reveal in the third act is really that you know that that all of that was kind of a. Um, Once you realize what the twist is, a lot of other things they make sense. Like yeah. right down to the mud upstairs, realizing hmm, maybe that's not her mud. And, right. It was or from, the grandmother that said, "Oh, right. what are you doing back? Uh, what's his name again?" Uh, Ransom. Ransom. Right? Yeah. But when she says it, when you first hear that line, you don't necessarily, you're like, oh, she's like just why? confused. She's, she's a confused old lady. She's just a confused old You don't think anything other than, more than that. Oh, she's confused. Who knows? You know, she's rambling, whatever. And then you realize later, I'm sorry, you realize later that, you know, oh, because she did see her grandson right, right. come back. And it's like, ah, there's a lot of things that like, once you realize what the twist is, makes sense upon rewatching it. What's really cool about this movie, and I think I think any filmmaker does themselves a service by doing this, is like because of how complicated the plot is, and because of how much um, layering has to happen. You know, this is one of those movies that's going to be so great on a rewatch because of the fact that you're going to see a lot of the planting that happens in the beginning of the movie that you weren't 
aware of on the first watch through when you're just trying to figure out what's going on. Mm -hmm. One of my all-time favorite movies ever is The Prestige by Christopher Nolan. It's my favorite Christopher Nolan movie by far, but it's actually like probably like in my top 10 favorite movies of all Mm -hmm. time. And the reason that I think that movie is such a great movie is for this exact reason is that you watch it the first time just trying to figure out what the twist is. And, you know, there's the big reveal and you find out what's going on in that film. And then the second time you watch it through, all of a sudden you realize that there were so many opportunities in the movie for you to have figured it out, which is why the the line in that movie that's so great is, are you watching closely? It's like the movie is almost taunting you, like saying, you're, you're, you're not, if, you, if you're paying attention, you're going to notice that we're telling you the twist of the movie early. Like there's the scene in the movie where when Christian Bale um, is kind of like the apprentice of one of these other magicians. Um, when he first meets, uh, what's the f- actress's name? The the woman that he falls in love with. She's there with her little brother, who's like a little boy. And the guy has to kill the, the doves. And the whole thing that we know as the audience is that when they kill the doves, they just have these extra doves that are around. Mm-hmm. That the audience, mm-hmm. like, you actually kill one. And the little, boy, says, and the little boy, yeah, the little boy is crying when the, when the dove is dead. When they think it's dead, oh, and the guy, the, the guy makes it, the guy makes it come back, and he shows it to him. And he's going, "Look, it's okay. He's all right." And he's going, "But what about his brother?" Mm-hmm. And it's like that's the twist of the movie, right? right? They, and leave it to a child to notice. They that. just told it to mm-hmm. you. Are you watching closely? So it becomes this great thing of when a director is so, or even a, a screenwriter is so invested in it's in the script and how the script is structured and how it's revealing information and where it's giving information versus where it's paying it off. Um, you know, you can just tell this is going to be a great movie to watch on a second or a third run. You're going to pick up all kinds of shit that you mm-hmm. didn't see that first time out, which is really, really cool. Right. Those are always the most fun movies. Well, let's take a quick break. Let's come back. We'll do a couple more highs and then if there's any the lows. There's not a lot, but yes. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back. You have not been good to her. You have all treated her like shit to steal back a fortune that you lost and she deserves. You're a pack of vultures at the feast. Knives out, beaks bloody. All right, so we are back. What other highs do you have? There's a lot of the way they choose to shoot and edit certain shots. It's for comedic value. Mm-hmm. Um, and even some of the lines and stuff, there's a lot of like sarcastic dialogue that I really appreciate. Um, I, I wrote down that I'd liked... Like the shot where they're showing the night of the murder and they show Jamie Lee Curtis's character, Linda, keep she's constantly getting woken right. up. And that whole thing is really yeah. funny. And um and then when she says, when the Marta character says, I'm gonna give you an emergency shot so you don't die in ten minutes, and then Christopher Palmer goes, Okay, so no pressure then. <laughs> like the way the line is delivered. Yeah, he's got that dry it's like all super. all the stuff that I'm saying, basically all my highs are a lot of like funny things in the movie. And my delivery of it is not going to be as funny as watching it in the movie. I'll I'll try to edit in some clips <laughs> so that we so that we save all these ourselves. Funny. I also like during that scene. If you noticed, did you notice this? I wonder if you did. You must have because you notice everything. I do. I notice everything. Did you notice something was visible in the entire shot during the whole scene of Marta and um how what's this? I just keep saying Christopher Plummer. Um, uh, Harlan. Harlan, right? Well, there's the knife that's in the shot. Right. It's it's visible. It's visible in every shot yeah, in that scene. It's, it's like, visible in every shot. There's kind of like this 180 shot that's kind of like revolving around him. And but you it's see subtle. Him. And I noticed that I was like, oh, that's that's cool. I see what they're doing with that. It's definitely foreboding or yeah. foreshadowing. But he also says a line at one point. He's talking about ransom specifically, and he's saying his life has been so easy that. He's going to be the type of person who's not going to be able to tell a stage prop 
from a real knife. Mm-hmm. And that's when he like holds the knife. Which of course becomes yeah, becomes on. the huge payoff at the end of the yeah, movie yeah, yeah. when, you know, he grabs what, the knife out of that wheel. Out of that out of that giant the thousand knives um decorative thing that they've got. Mm-hmm. And you <laughs> and that's such a great last like that moment is so fucking perfect when you know, we haven't even talked about the fact that Captain America ends up being the villain of this movie. Oh, real estate shut up, Long. Shut up. <laughs> shut up with that Kentucky Fried Foghorn Leghorn drawl. So I only actually had one more high written in here, but actually when I was just watching with you a little while ago, I feel like there are a couple of things. I'm like, oh, that was funny. I should have written that down. Don't want some cookies? I mean, how did I not write that down? That was hilarious. Definitely got to write that one down to put that... that Line in. How about some more cookies, you? You want some more cookies? It's almost as good as, what do you want lunch? <laughs> it's like that. Want some cookies? <laughs> um, Actually, you know what? You know what my favorite line in this movie was? So at one point, they talk about how Michael Shannon's son is, I, I, it's it's one of the actors from It. It's one of those kids mm, from No, from, it's from, like the main kid from It. Yeah. 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 And, um, they talk about it. so he plays Michael Shannon's son. He's just like kind of always sitting there on his cell phone, and you know everyone's referring to him like, "Oh, he's this little fucking alt right asshole, little Nazi douchebag kid." Mm-hmm. And at one point, um, he has information that the rest of the characters don't have because he's in the bathroom the whole time when Ransom is in the argument with mm-hmm, Harlan. Mm-hmm. So he overhears something that becomes very critical You're to be the sorry. plot. Yeah. yeah, he he overhears something. That, and they, everyone keeps breaking his balls where they're like, what, what what, were you doing in the bathroom all night? Were you just fucking jerking off to Nazi porn? Like, you know, so at one point at the, my favorite. Uh, motionlessly to dead deer or whatever. <laughs> yeah, like. yeah, exactly, exactly. And at one point at the end of the movie in the third act when, when um, Benoit Blanc is doing his whole wrap up and explaining, okay, this is what really happened. And he goes through the whole thing. He has this one line that I think is the fucking great, maybe the greatest line it's the greatest line of the movie. Maybe it's the, cinema history. Maybe the no, ba- <laughs> definitely the greatest line of any movie last year. Okay. Is he goes, he goes, what were the overheard words of the Nazi child masturbating in the bathroom? <laughs> what were the overheard words by the Nazi child masturbating in the bathroom? This is a fucking great, great line. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm going to put that one in there because he'll still sound right. better that than I did. That is funny. Um, the last high I'd written down, technically, it's not to say it's the only high because there's a lot of things I liked about the movie. The last thing I wrote down was that when um, Harlan is telling Marta all the things, the play-by-play of things that she needs to do to get out of this unscathed and the part where he's telling her, okay, you're going to put on my robe and hat and be seen by my son 20 minutes after you, quote-unquote, left, right? And she comes down in the robe and the hat and everything. That whole scene, I don't. Know, I think that's just funny. Well, it was cool. It was cool that he, you know, he, he's like when he gets that injection and she's saying, "Oh, I'm like, oh my god, you're gonna die in ten minutes." He's like, "All right, it's already been two minutes, so I've really got eight minutes." Mm-hmm. And then she's still panicking and she wants to call the cops and everything. He's like on this timer. He's only, I mean, he's literally down to like the last six or seven minutes of his life, mm-hmm. and he's able to have the foresight to anticipate all of the things that need to happen next. Yeah, because he knows next. his family that well. That's but not only, not only does he know his family that well, he's a, he's a, he's a mystery writer. That's he's, true too, right? He's somebody who understands, you know, okay, if I was going to kill my, if I was going to get killed right now, or what are the things you need to do to convince the police that you're not the guilty party here? So he already knows all of the things of like, okay, you need to, Leave the house, and when you leave the house, remark about the time. Right. Make sure you know? you're heard. Make sure you're seen. You know, make sure that, the, and, and not only oh, that. Oh, it's a minute already. You know, and you think, and you think about the fact that 
when they're asking uh, Michael Shannon's character, what time was it that you saw her? He's like, oh, I saw her at midnight. And it's like, well, why did he see her at midnight? When she walks by, she's like, oh my God, it's already midnight. And he looks at his watch. So without him even having to remember that she said anything, he immediately knows, oh, I saw it was midnight when she left, you know, mm-hmm. things like that that he thought of. OK, you're going to climb back up through the through the terrace and you're going to put my robe on and come down the stairs so that they'll think that they saw me 20 minutes after I, you left. So there's no way. There's I no way it could be you. Left, right. You know, and it's brilliant. It's like that's just that's just a, you know, that, right. that Harlan knows. I think that's part of why I like that. Yeah. Scene. It's like, oh. Yeah. It's He's pr- thinking of every angle. You got to come in through the secret window and and then that little piece of um the wooden frame outside the window breaks when she steps on it. But there's a name for that. Um, a tre- It's like a trellis. trellis. I think yeah. it's a trellis. And you know what's really cool? Uh, there's a there's a moment when um Daniel Craig finds that when he finds like she. Find, I know. I know. She finds it first. The dog brings it to her. Yeah. She finds it first and she throws it away. And the dog brings it. And back. the dog brings <laughs> it. And there's a great shot where where Daniel Craig picks it up and when he's looking at it it almost looks like he's looking through a magnifying glass mm-hmm. like because mm-hmm. because of the way that it's shaped mm-hmm. it's like him kneeling down looking mm-hmm. through a magnifying yeah, glass yeah and he's almost supposed to be like the bumbling detective too like that's the whole joke but he's not really bumbling he's kind he of he is a, a little bit though well I think I think the southern the southern part of it is what gives it this sort of like oh geez it's not just a southern thing he's not 100% like even the scene he's like singing in the car like <laughs> not realize what's going on like he's kind of a goofball he could be like an idiot savant but that's that's part of the reason why it's so cool that at the end of the movie he figures everything out. Like he at the end of the movie he literally she's about to confess to the family and and kind of give herself away and renounce the inheritance because she's you know it's uh she's given the inheritance from from Harlan her whole the whole family's forsaken and she's going to get the entire inheritance of like his publishing company his house all his money mm-hmm. and she's ready to like confess and renounce to them and he walks in the room and stops her from doing it and is and like pulls everyone aside and says like get the whole family out of the house but hang on to one person and who's revealed to be Ransom who they bring in later and he's clock the entire case where he figures out okay ransom was the only person who was told specifically by harlan that everyone was getting cut out of the will Mm -hmm. so he's got he knows what's going to happen before it happens and he's the one that has a reason to put this plan into play which eventually means that he sneaks up back up through that same terrace and switches the medication trellis sorry um and switches the medicine so that and takes away the antidote or whatever. And takes away the antidote, right. So that she'll give the wrong shot. And then, of course, the irony being that she still gave him the right shot because it was switched. He switched the medications, but she still gave him the right shot because I think he says... She knows the bottles because there's a slight distinct difference in the viscosity, the the thickness of... That makes sense. And and she's such a good nurse that when she picks up the bottle, she can feel which one is like heavier. right. You know, that's cool, too. And, you know, and that's what he's like. See, you were a good nurse. You you even knew without having to look at it. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, if Harlan had let you call the he police, would have been alive still. yeah, he would have still survived because yeah. it wasn't actually morphine that he got, which is why the tox report is clean. It goes into all of that, all of that great stuff. Um, but the fact that Daniel Craig was so, you know, adept was like he caught all of that shit, like right down to the point when. 
she asks him at the end of the movie, how did you know, how long did you know I was in on it? And he's like, the minute I saw you, and he points at her shoe, and there's that little spot of blood. Right, right, right. And he's like, I saw that the minute I met you. Because there's actually, do you know in forensic science, there's actually blood splatter experts. Yeah, they say it in the movie. Blood splatter experts. Even, it's really interesting. They can do the same with bullets. They can, they can estimate the trajectory of right. how the bullet, the angle at which it was shot based on how it comes through. It's like somebody shoots through your window. It's like a drive-by shooting, right? I've seen it done. And they put like the string through it and it shows the You've line seen of trajectory. Shooting? No, Dom. When they do these these shows and they tell the forensic analysis of how it works mm-hmm. and it'll be like a drive-by shooting and there'll be the entry and the exit, not wound, but the entry of the gunshot wound and the exit or the exit of the gunshot. And... um they'll put a string through the two holes and it'll show the line of trajectory in which, and it makes sense. It's like, okay, so it must've been coming from this angle. It's, it's, it's like really basic stuff, but mm-hmm. it makes a lot of sense yeah. as to why. And the same thing with splatter. It's like an uncorrupted line of splatter. So, you know, there was nobody there because if there was someone standing there, it would be splatter. It would be, well, they say that they say that because it would have hit a person and then it would go back where it was right. in that the, kind of stuff. You can tell in the movie, they say, and that. you can tell if they were still alive, even if they're dead, if the person is still alive when they're with their throats cut or their their wrists are cut, blood spurts because your heart's still pumping. It, right. it sp- spits. If the person is dead and then you cut them open, it just kind of spills out because the heart's not pumping. So right. it's like that's also how they can tell. Like this happened post mortem, or same thing with like you know there was a body in a river. Is there water in the lungs? No. Then it was a body that was thrown into the river after they were killed versus if there water in the lungs, then they died by drowning. They can tell those kinds of things. Well, what I was going to say is that at one point they they make a reference to the blood splatter expert mm-hmm. because they they say at the beginning of the movie they say they go, you know, this is a clear cut suicide, and Benoit Blanc is like, really, he slit his his throat was slit, and they're like, yeah, it's dramatic, but you know, the blood splatter expert, you know, basically said that based on the trajectory of the blood, there was no there was no one standing near him mm-hmm. when it happened. So it had to be him. So your point is that the only reason that she had any blood on her was that she was in the room and it probably spurted it out across the room and got mm-hmm. a little bit on her shoe that she was yep. just close enough that it could the hit The same her. can be said, and I've heard it said, the case made about people that shoot themselves in the head, for instance, right? When they find victims that are supposedly suicide victims and the gun is in a hand that's their non-dominant hand or the way that someone might choose to throw, to put the gun on the person after they shot them in the head to make it look like a suicide. They can tell if it's actually legitimate based on how, okay, I'm laying like this and the gun's over there. You wouldn't shoot yourself in the head and then fall with it. Like they can determine all of those types of factors into being able to establish, is it really a suicide or is it a murder that's trying to be staged to look like a suicide? Something like Kirk Cobain. Yeah. Well, right. Exactly. Um, do you have, is that all your highs? The, you know, your highs? Yeah. Well, the other line I just watched when we just rewatched it now, I like the part where, um, Jamie Lee Curtis is like kicking everybody out after the, uh, the will is read out and she's like, get out. This is still our house. And then she pauses and they all turn around slowly. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, that was, I, I think the, the, the last shot. We're the thrombies and this is still our house. Wait a minute. The last, the last shot of the movie, like the very beginning of the movie when they're doing like kind of all the close up and inserts of of the stuff in his house, like all the, you know, they established the house and they're doing like kind of all the little mementos of the artifacts that are in his house. And one of the things that they establish is he's got this cup of, he's got this mug of coffee that says, 
my house, my rules, my coffee. Mm-hmm. And at the very end of the she's movie, drinking from that. she's drinking from right. the mug. But the funniest thing is that her hand is covering everything. Mm-hmm. They're all looking up at her on this terrace and she's mm-hmm. looking down at them. I and noticed she that. Drinks. And the only thing that's visible is it just says my house mm-hmm. on it as she's drinking it, mm-hmm. which is kind of like a nice little touch that right, they stuck course. in there. Yeah. So I got a couple more quick highs. Um, Trooper Wagner, the character. This guy I thought was so funny because I think this guy was like put in there specifically to be like the Isn't audience. Isn't that the guy from Weekend Update? Is No, I don't think so. I don't know. It looks like I don't know. the SNL actor a little bit. No, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I, I know he looks familiar, but I'm not really sure who he is. I don't even know what the SNL actor's name is, but the, the kid from Weekend Update. I don't think so. No. Um, but Trooper Wagner. Um, Trooper Wagner, I think he was put in there to be like the audience avatar. I think he was kind of like, he's one of those characters who who almost seems like he's aware that he's in the movie. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he's so he's having such a blast being there. He's he's one of those guys who he gets all the pop culture references at one point. You know, I think they're asking, they're saying, was anyone a fan of of Harlan's? And they're like, no, we don't read fiction. He's like, I was, I was a fan. I, I love this. But how did he come up with the thing with the donkey and the shotgun? Like, He's just, he's just like so jazzed up about being there. You guys fans? I mean, I don't do much fiction reading myself. Big but. fan. I'm a big fan. I mean, his plots are just like, like, I don't want to spoil it for you, but okay, like Thousand Knives, the cow and the shotgun. Like, where do you come up with that? Someone quotes Hamilton and he's like, oh, is that from Hamilton? Like, he, he knows, he, he gets all the pop culture references. Mm-hmm. He's like standing in for the audience. I think even at one point, someone tries to shush Daniel Craig, like in the third act where he's giving the whole monologue about everything that happened. Someone's like, wait a second, wait a second. He's the one that's like, no, 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 let him, let, let him keep talking. Like, he's he's standing in as us, being like, no, let him, I want to hear what he has to say. He's going to tell us all mm-hmm. the shit, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like one of those mean. funny meta characters that's there Definitely to, meta. to stand in as, as the audience. Mm. Um, so I just I, I just every time that guy was he's like a little 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 tiny minor character but every time he's on screen I just thought he was fucking hilarious I think that's it I think those uh-huh. are I think that's all I got for highs um, I mean just I'm sure in, there's more if you really racked our brains I, I, and this is one of those it's movies it's plain to see that there's more highs than yeah those. and I think I think it's one of those I think this you know we this is still kind of a newer movie I mean it came out in November um, is our first time seeing it I feel like if we watched it again this is one of those movies that definitely benefits from from multiple viewings and you know, I think there's more to unearth or more to see every time you, you check it out. So I'm sure if we watched it again, we'd have way more highs. But just on a first watch through, like, it's a, a total blast and just a lot, a lot of fun to, to watch. Um, do you have any lows for the movie? I only had one low, and it was that for all of its shining qualities, it was a little bit predictable. Um, I could tell right away that um, she was the killer I could also tell right away that she was going to be the one to be the benefactor of Harlan's will. Uh, it was it was too it was it wasn't even a shock, and I don't know if it was supposed to be a shock to the audience when it happened, because it really wasn't that shocking. But it didn't make me not like the movie or anything like that. But I wasn't surprised by it. Um, I feel like there was one other thing that. Yeah, no, I feel like there was something else I didn't write down that I was like, yeah, I, that I saw that coming, or I don't know. It wasn't. I didn't necessarily see the twist with Chris Evans, per se, but there definitely was something about him that you're like, I don't know. He, there's going to be something about him you don't know, but I didn't know that. Oh, so he's responsible for this whole chain of events. He's the real reason that Harlan is dead and all this and that. Mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily know that much. I didn't necessarily suspect. 
or even the, you know, I know what you did, that letter and all that and, and the whole conceit of everything he did to not really cover his tracks, but to try to make it seem like to make Marta feel worried that she's going to be found out or yeah. she has been found out. Um, when in reality, he's the one that really is at fault. He's the one that's actually guilty of something. Um, I didn't necessarily put all that together, I guess, but it d- was a little bit predictable. I, I guess mean, it Marta, wasn't super original, yeah. but like, no. I mean, but it was still fun. And, and I mean, it, it's not enough that it's like, oh, that's a bad movie because of it. Marta getting the inheritance, I don't think is even meant to be a surprise if you're... They weren't reinventing the wheel with anything. No, but I'm, what I'm saying is that the whole the whole first act of the movie is them establishing the fact that Harlan is kind of like cutting off all of his relatives. You know what I mean? Like, it's very clear at the beginning that he's like, I, I you know, Michael Shannon, you got to work, you got to do your own thing. Um, I'm not even touching it. It's me, actually. It's this, it's this, it's this wire that keeps hitting everything. Um, he's kind of saying like, Michael Shannon, you got to do your own thing, and. Um, cutting off Joni, the Joni character, mm-hmm. from paying any of her things. So it's one of those things where it wasn't a surprise, I think, that that Marta was the only character that didn't want anything from him. So it makes sense that that's the character that he would reward versus mm-hmm. his entire family which who is was just so, like, like greedy, fucking yes, sponging off. I just want to know which one of you really gave a shit about right, me. You know? Right, right, like, right. That's that's where, and then and then of course the moment the moment where like. They're all so kind to her and like, oh, we love you. You're part of our family. Anything you could. And the minute she gets the inheritance, like they just they turn, turn on, on her. But even their demeanor. Absolutely. But even just their demeanor going into the reading, holding each other's hands and looking yeah. like, you know, so demure. Mm, yeah. Just, and then how it just completely changes on a dime once <laughs> the, they hear it. They get like now, vicious. Exactly. The knives come out. Venomous. Right. Exactly. Which is the whole thing. And that's and it's kind of funny too, like where they, they stick in these little moments. But of it's kind so of like, sad because I'm sure that's what it's like with a lot of families. Though too. Mm. It's like it, the wills and yeah. all that and who gets what after relatives die. It can really bring out the nasty, yeah, just ugly side of families and the worst for position. of people. Yeah, it's, it it's, makes you look at your family in a way that just like it disgusts you. Like you don't want to think about, okay, well, I didn't love you or our relationship wasn't what it was because of what I thought you were going to give me when you died. Well, you know what? It shouldn't be. And and the fact that that's all some people in our family care about. Yeah. Wow. It's just so disgusting. I mean, the thing that was the thing that was kind of cool in this movie, at least I felt like they there were a couple of characters that I thought genuinely loved Harlan. Like, I definitely think that Jamie Lee Curtis's character genuinely right, loved Harlan. Right, that was Harlan. her father. Well, that's the thing. Thank you. I'm glad you mentioned that because I did just think of something else I liked that I didn't write down and I did think of it and I was like, I'll say it. I like that when you discover that her husband is cheating on her and, and, and her father gets that and is like, I'm going to tell her and, you know, this letter and blah, blah, blah. She mentions early on in the movie, we have our own way of speaking to each other, mm. but she doesn't really elaborate what that is. But you get, you know father daughter you know you'd have your own special maybe code language or little um secret hidden language or even just code speak or ways that you talk with one another or behave that you know it's our little thing you mm. know that's kind of what you think and then you see the movie you get the lighter underneath the and it's like all the the writing illuminates the disappearing and it's like, ink. right yeah or you could actually i think you actually can do that with a piece of paper like if you have a notepad and someone writes something on the top sheet and then you take it off there's ways um, if you go over it with crayon, for instance, you can actually find out what somebody right. wrote on that pad. There's ways of figuring out what was written, even if the paper was taken off. But it's kind of along those same lines. It's like, okay, I can... But so I when, think- he, when when the husband sees it and he goes, oh, he's laughing, it looks like it's blank. Nothing's There's there. nothing there. It's like, she knows. And, and she doesn't know what he's doing necessarily until that moment. But it's like, 
when she gets a letter from her father and it looks like it's blank, she knows she exactly knows what to it, do. It he looks the, at it, the husband, and is thinking, Ugh, "There's nothing even here." He was know. bluffing or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it was so that know, that scene was funny. I don't know. I don't know if you caught this at the very very end of the movie where it's that really last cool shot when the camera starts. Uh, on everyone kind of turning back and looking up at at uh, Marta on the terrace, and like the camera starts and it pulls all the way back to show all of them. Mm-hmm. If you if you it's like real quick, you see it after she reads that letter and mm-hmm. she sees that and she looks up at him. Mm-hmm. It cuts away. It cuts back to I think Daniel Craig and Marta having a conversation. When it does that shot, when Don Johnson turns around, you see he's got a black eye now. Mm-hmm. So it's like Jamie Lee Curtis must have fucking. Nailed him in the face. I didn't face. notice that. Yeah. No, it's a, it's, it's like you just see it for a couple of seconds, but it's really funny. Like where he turns around, he's oh, got a black go. eye because she like probably slugged him in the face. It's no, really funny. Um, her character clearly loved uh, Harlan, and you know was self established. She was one of the characters who like was going to be okay without him. You know, I mean, again, I think I think they were all just jockeying for position. Or, or there's actually there's a really funny line too at one point where. I think when Chris Evans is saying, you know, you think you think you think we're going to give up our birthright, our ancestral home ancestral and home. ancestral home. And and uh, and Daniel Craig starts laughing. He's like, he bought this house in the 80s. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. This isn't your ancestral home. Know, this I is know. a fucking house Bullshit that he bought because he, he was rich, you dickhead. Um <laughs> right. There's just there's just a lot. Just pop of, your balloon. It's just there's Burst a lot. There's so much. I feel I feel like I actually feel like even on first glance, you really can't appreciate how good the script is and how good the dialogue is. This is one of those movies that will get richer and richer every time you watch it. So I'm actually this yeah. this this could this could be a new kind of favorite as far as yeah, uh, as far as the um, murder mystery whodunit thing goes. Two I, thumbs up, I, fine I holiday yeah. fun. <laughs> I do have all right. So do you have any other lows? That was everything. I actually had a think for a while because I I really didn't have any lows coming out of this movie. I was just kind of like. I can't really think of anything I didn't like or anything to really complain about. Right. One thing I did think about, this may be solved by watching this movie again just to really nail down exactly what the timeline was. But one thing that I was thinking about is, okay, so there's the housekeeper character who has the toxicology report. She stashes one away and that's how, you know. Right, that's uh, how she was able to figure out that it was actually the ransom. But, but But what I'm saying is that, so there's this whole scene where she sends the talks report who we think Marta's getting it. But she's actually sending it to Chris But it's Evans. actually being sent to Chris Evans, yeah, right? Yeah. And she's on to him. And now we go back through the entire thing and we reveal what happened. And we mm-hmm. reveal that Chris Evans went and met with her first because she was on to him. Mm-hmm. And he ends up attacking her and injecting her with morphine. And he's the reason that she... she he's the one that kills her, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um... So uh, where where I'm sorry I'm, I'm trailing off but where I'm going with this is that it's established very very clearly in the scene with um with Christopher Plummer that once the injection of morphine is given they're going to die within 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Now when did Chris Evans meet up with this chick because there's a whole scene where like they go Wasn't to Wasn't it the funeral? No, but listen they go to... You weren't at the funeral, but you're early for the will reading, and they show at the funeral, the only other person that was in the house when he comes to exchange the drugs was the maid. She saw him. But what I'm but saying But when is, did he meet with her after But wait fact? a second. What I'm saying is when Marta gets to her, she's still alive. 
when Marta gets to, when they're in that, like, uh-huh. that laundry room, yeah. and she's like, oh, you have this talks report, and whoever you are. Didn't he drop her off, like, they were in the car together, and then he dropped her off or something? And but what I'm saying is, I, whatever the timeline is, I don't think he injected her 10 minutes before Marta showed up. I think that, I think there's clearly a plot hole in terms of the timeline of, like, when did Chris yeah, I Evans... Guess I think I, need, I would need to rewatch it again to feel like I can get yeah. better... So, so what I'm what I'm saying is that Chris Evans picks up Marta, or Marta picks up Chris Evans. They get in a car. They go to where they think they're going to get the talks report, and you see that that building is on fire. And they're both sitting in the car, and they're like, "Oh my god, the thing has been yeah torched." And now he's saying, "Whoever sent this letter is the only person left that has proof against you. We got to mm-hmm. find them." And that's when Daniel Craig sees them, and they go on that chase. Which actually, that's and then a great. She says, "Can we make a stop at this address because she has the thing with the address right?" On but it. now, but what I'm this is what I'm trying so to at say. Some point between when they got went to the medical examiner's office and saw it on fire, but she was and when in she the got car. There is when Chris Evans got. But there. that wasn't ten minutes. She was in the car with Chris Evans for the entire time, pulling up to that place, getting in that car chase. Mm-hmm. They take him at one point. They put him in the car and they go to interrogate him. So what I'm trying to say is that if Chris Evans met with her at some point in that laundromat and ejected her with morphine, because they show it, they're like, they literally do a close-up of the morphine mm-hmm. and be like, it's the same thing that killed Harlan. Mm-hmm. It would have had to have been that she would have died within 10 minutes. And it right. just doesn't seem like it makes sense in the it timeline. It would seem like she'd probably be dead already by the time Marta got there. Marta, Marta couldn't have got there and found her and revived her or tried to revive Maybe. her. Maybe. I feel like I'd have to rewatch to make a yeah. better determination it's, on that. And again, like I was just, it was just thinking about it a little bit more. It was like, is there anything that didn't make sense in the plot? Because I feel like the plot was so tightly I, I feel like I'm remembering that scene, but I, I'm not remembering like... I remember that they pull up at the medical examiner's office. It's Marta and it's Ransom and they're sitting in the car and then, you know, she's kind of hunkering down and she feels like she's been spotted by Benoit. And, you know, he starts walking towards the car and then they speed off. And then what is it? They catch up and they arrest him? They they, they go on that I'm chase. I what happens after so listen, that, but before they get to the laundry. So hold on, hold on. Let me, let me, let's, let's start it right from the beginning. So this, the way the sequence starts, the way the entire sequence starts is she's at Chris Evans' house. And she's showing him the thing and being that says, like, um, "I know what you did." And he's looking at it and he's going, "Okay, it's only the, the top. It's only the top of it, and you know that means somebody's got your toxicology report. And if and if they give this to them, they're going to see that he was injected with morphine, and that's what killed him. Mm-hmm. So we have to go to the place where this is now. They, at that, they must have gotten the car and driven to where where the toxicology report was, and medical that built the me- me- medical examiner's office, and that place is burnt down. Mm-hmm. So." Think about it like this. Chris Evans and Marta are at Chris Evans' house. Then they're in a car in front of the medical examiner's house. Mm -hmm. Then they go on a high-speed chase. Mm -hmm. Then when the high-speed chase ends, the cops take him away into custody. Right. When did he inject her for 10 minutes that she's... That's the only Maybe somebody else did it. It shows. It shows the whole scene where she's oh, that's saying, true. He's there. where she's going. I know I she knew said Hugh you. did it. She said Hugh did it, and but she, it does and, show him there. And, and, and then she's going, "Don't come near me! Don't come near me!" And he grabs her, and he give, and you see him give the injection to her, mm-hmm. and she's going, "I knew it was you, you shitbag!" He gives her the shot, mm-hmm. and you see the close up of the morphine, and then that's the whole thing where he says, "When when she I know. lies, it doesn't it, make sense when he would have done that. When did he do it? It couldn't have been within a ten minute window. No. That's the only part of the movie that, like, as as I'm thinking about the plot and how." intricately it was written it's the one thing that I'm thinking about that I'm like well when the fuck did he give her that shot within a 10 minute period that right? Marta could have found her and revived her yeah. even though she dies she ends up dying which is Did another which is another great joke in the movie when you know he admits like well she didn't even end up dying so 
I can't, you know, what, what am I going to really get charged with attempted murder and arsony? Like I got a great lawyer, I'll get off. Mm-hmm. And then she, you know, she said like, Oh, she didn't die. And then she pukes in his face and the guys, and then, and then uh, office trooper Wagner's like, she's lying. Mm-hmm, exactly. You know, and she's like, yeah, she did die. And you knife. just gave, gave away your confession. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's when he tries to kill with a fake knife. Yeah. Without realizing it's fake yeah. because he doesn't, he can't make the distinction between a fake knife and a, and a real knife based on what his grandfather prophesized. Did that, did that, um, that like kind of circular knife thing that they have, didn't that kind of remind you of the Iron Throne a little bit? Yeah, it's definitely, um, like when Daniel Craig is sitting in it and it's that just all those, it just kind of reminded me yeah, of the a Iron little Throne. Bit. Yeah, no, I can see that. It's definitely, um, a talking piece for those that collect art and it's usually wealthy yuppies of the like in this movie. Well, it makes sense for this it, character. To, to do something that's a talking piece. That's the kind of thing you get because you know that people that come into your home are going to be like, oh, what's this about? Or might get it and want to well, talk to you about it or whatever. It makes sense for Harlan because Harlan was a, a murder mystery writer. But the guy, Trooper Wagner, at one point says that he references one of his books and he says, oh, that book he wrote Thousand Knives. So it's clearly like a, a reference, thousand eyes, clearly a reference to one of his books that he wrote. But um, other than that one little thing that I, 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 again, I think maybe I need to rewatch it to see, to firm up on what the timeline would have been. Or if anyone listening The only got an thing I could think that. of, but it doesn't make sense, is that somehow what? Benoit's in on it and like... Benoit's th- not in I on it. I know he's not though. I know he's not. That's what I'm saying. The only thing, if he was though, it looks like he's taking him away and then it's like in actuality, we're bringing you to this location to... You know, but that's not, it's not at all what happened. I know. So it's like, when would he have done this? Yeah. He was with her the whole time until he got apprehended. And then, and, and, and again, like they make, they make such a Unless it was somebody else. But when they show the flashback. It's him. It's him. So there's like, yeah, it's a hole. It's a hole that you can't. um, It's a donut hole within a donut hole. Yeah. That was a whole funny thing too. When you saw the donut hole in the donut. Um, because that's like the one. That's one of the parts when you're talking about him being like an idiot savant, where, yeah. where it's just kind of like he's he's just talking all this nonsense for a good like ten minutes, where mm-hmm. he's just he's saying this whole thing about like it's this this case is a donut and the donut has a hole and you put the hole in the donut hole, but the hole in the donut hole has its own hole. It's a small donut, not a donut hole. And you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? A donut hole in a donut's hole. But we must look a little closer. And when we do, we see the donut hole has a hole in its center. It is not a donut hole, but a smaller donut with its own hole. And our donut is not a hole at all. Look, look, I understand that this is amusing for you. Why was I hard? Have you ever heard the song? Well, I've been around the corner and I've been around the block and I went right into a donut shop. And I picked up a donut fresh from the grease and I handed the lady a five cent piece. Peace. I've never heard it. I like um, it though. That's a great song. And she looked at the nickel and she looked at me and she said, That nickel is no good, you see. There's a hole in the middle and it goes right through. And I said, There's a hole in the donut too. <laughs> you know that song? No. That's it's like the greatest song I've ever heard. <laughs> This is terrible. Don't put this in here. <laughs> I'm putting I'm putting both takes of it in. Please don't. This is good. This is good shit. Um, so that was Ryan Johnson's um, Knives Out. They're, you know, they're already announced the sequel. They're already going to do a sequel to it because it was so successful. Really? Yeah. I'm surprised. Is and, it coming um, out this year? No, probably next year. But A different family? Wh- I don't know. You know, honestly, it's one of those movies that I don't think needs a sequel. 
But um, if Ryan Johnson's going to do it, I would be interested in checking it out. I think he's, like I said, like I said at the beginning of the movie, I think he's the real deal. As far as like really, you know, younger directors like Ryan Johnson, uh, Damien Chazelle, the guy who did mm-hmm, Whiplash. Mm-hmm. Um, these are the people that I think are, you know, kind of like of our generation that are kind of mm-hmm. leading the way. Um, all right. So why don't we do the coin toss? Coin toss. Again, always remind folks, please write into moviehighlow at gmail.com. Uh, let us know your high and low recommendations. Let us know best movies. Again, we're a podcast. And if you'd like to hear Dee do her own history podcast, let me know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, please let us know uh, the best and worst movies you've seen, high or low recommendations. Let us know why it's a high, why it's a low. Um, again, moviehighlow at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on social media, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, and Facebook, please drop us a line. Let us know what you'd like to hear us review or uh, just a good recommendation. We are always into what seeing. Would you say hello? And it's heads. So we are going to go back to a classic Penny Marshall's Big for next week. Have you, yeah, uh, Laverne. You've seen Big, I'm sure. I've yeah, Penny Marshall's Laverne. But I'm saying you've seen. Milk and Pepsi. We should drink milk and Pepsi while we do it. Because okay. that's what she liked to drink on the show. She, together. Isn't that gross? That is gross. She used to drink milk and Pepsi. On Rest in peace, early. Penny Marshall. I right. love Penny Marshall. She was funny. Thanks so much for being here. I'm Dom. Oui. Merci, s'il vous plaît, retournez. À prochain. Et bon noir. Bon santé. Au revoir. <laughs> Au revoir. Au revoir. <laughs> Au revoir. You're sure it was water? It couldn't have been acid? I already declared you it was too dark to tell! Stop playing games with me, This is not a game, this is my life! There has been another murder. A murder, you say? I do declare. How about some more cookies, you? You want some more cookies? Great. Hey, maybe Harlan left you a cold glass of milk in his will, asshole.